Good evening, y'all, and happy Lord's Day. Thank you. Um, our associate getting kind of crazy on me over there. Um, guys, today is a beautiful day. Um, it's Mother's Day weekend, and so to all of our moms out there, happy Mother's Day. Uh, we do have a special blessing for you um, right after the prayers of the faithful, so, um, so you want to stay, stay close. Um, you know, we, we have our moms and their wonderful gifts, and, and I think it's no coincidence that, uh, that on this weekend that we're going to get to have within our diocese our first weekend masses that are open to the public outside tomorrow here at St. Thomas at 9 a.m. What a beautiful gift this is going to be. And the reason why I think it's so special um, is because what, is, what do mothers do, right? Mothers, uh, they have that moment where they bring their child to life. They bring that child and they present that kid to the whole world, right? It's the presentation of their children. And they, they grow their kids up and they teach them their ways. Um, and I think that's what Our Lady is going to do this weekend. She is going to give us a wonderful gift to be able to have Jesus, her son, for the first time in two months given to us in the Holy Eucharist. Um, what, a, what a beautiful Mother's Day present that will be. And so is the, the, the desire of every mom is to, to lift their children up, to speak of their kids. Uh, isn't that what every time you ask moms how they're doing they always speak about their kids and what their kids are doing is they always have a way of lifting up their children and so i want to speak about the gospel today i believe that's what our lady would want us to do speak about her son and so what's happening in the gospel today in john chapter 14 jesus starts this gospel out um this chapter with these words let not your hearts be troubled believe in god believe in me also it made me think, why is he telling them not to let their hearts be troubled? Like, don't worry. Well, whenever you back up a little bit, a few, <clears throat> a few uh, verses, what's happening is Jesus at this point in the gospel is on his way to Jerusalem. And he's going to be crucified. And Jesus begins to foretell his betrayal. He begins to tell them what's going to happen to him in Jerusalem. He gives them a new commandment to love one another as I have loved you. And then he foretells Peter's denial. He tells Peter that he's going to deny him three times before the cock crows. Like this would be very troubling for us, wouldn't it? Anytime someone is close to us and they're on their deathbed, that's a hard thing to deal with. It's a hard thing to accept, right? And so Jesus is telling them, look, I'm going to die. I'm going to die on the cross. And their hearts are troubled. They, they don't know how to accept this. And so Jesus knows their heart. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Have faith. Believe in God. Believe in me also. I think those are important words for us today. Don't let your hearts be troubled. There's a lot out in the world today that troubles our heart, doesn't it? But Jesus says if we believe in God, if we have faith in God, have faith in Jesus, we don't have to let our hearts get wrapped up and get troubled by all these things that are being thrown at us from the media, from, from social media, from the news, from all these areas. We, we're, we've become a culture that's lived in fear in the past two months. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Have faith in God. Have faith in Jesus. He says, in my father's house, there's many dwelling places, 
Right? So what is Jesus doing? He's taking their eyes off of this world and the things that trouble them and the things they can't control. They can't stop the death of Jesus. As much as they don't want it to happen, they can't stop it. And so their hearts are troubled. And so Jesus is taking their eyes off of the world, what causes us trouble and anxiety. And he's saying, look, my father has a house. And in that house, there's many, many dwelling places. He says, there are not, well, I've told you that I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. Like Jesus is letting us know that there's a place for us. There's, there's something greater in store for us than just the troubles of this world. We've got to refix our gaze on Jesus. And the place that he's going is, is heaven. It's home with the Father. And this reveals to us something of Jesus' heart and the Father's heart. He says that later on, he says, the two of us are one. The Father's in me and I am in the Father. So it, this reveals to us something of the Father's heart for you and for me. What is it? Basically, it's because I love you so much. I don't want to spend eternity without you. I could hear the Father saying that. That yes, this world is going to be filled with troubles and anxieties and ultimately death will succumb and it will pass through each one of us. But that's not the end of the story. Jesus prepares a place for us. The Father's heart desires to live with you and I for all of eternity. And that's what Jesus is trying to focus their mind and their attention on is eternal life. And he has come, Jesus has come, and he's preparing a place for us. And Thomas gets all wound up. This is Thomas, right? The doubting Thomas. The one who really didn't doubt that Jesus had risen. He just, I believe, was very hurt because everyone else saw Jesus rise from the dead. But yet he didn't get the chance to see him. Jesus and Thomas had a great love, a great friendship. And Thomas was left out. <laughs> he didn't get to see Jesus rise from the dead. Everybody else was talking about it. And he's like, well, you know what? I'm not going to believe it unless I put my finger into his wounds and put my hand straight into his side. Jesus' friend says, Master, where we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? It's an important question for us. You see, I think Thomas wanted Jesus to do everything for him sometimes. Master, I don't know where you're going. How can I know? How can I, how can I get there? You haven't told us how to get there. I think sometimes we do that, right? We want everybody to do everything for us. But Jesus looks at Thomas. He says, Thomas, you know the way. And he points to himself. He says, Thomas, I am the way. And I am the truth. And I am the life. Right? Jesus is pointing right to himself. He says, Thomas, basically, because you know me, then you know the way. You know, these are wonderful words, and Jesus is, is revealing to us something of himself. He's the way. Isn't that what we all need in life? Man, so many times, I know in my own life, I've gotten lost. I've lost my way. Sin blinded me. It blinds us. This is what sin does. We lose sight. We lose sight of, of the way that God is destined for us, what he wants us to do. We lose interest in our jobs. We lose interest in our relationships. We lose our way. And it's because, again, we're focusing on our immortal life here. 
No, Jesus is saying, look to me, I'm the way. Jesus, we have to look and listen to everything Jesus says. And we have to watch everything Jesus does. He will lead us by what he says and by what he does. Everything of Jesus is worthy of our contemplation. Even his actions. So if he's saying, I'm the way, it means I have to listen to him. And I have to watch him. I have to be his disciple. And he will show us the way. It can't be found outside of that. He says, I am the truth. Man, what an incredible thing, right? So many times we look for truth and we try to figure out truth. This wonderful question, what is truth? Pilate asked that question as Jesus stands before him, scourged and crowned like a king. Pilate says, what is truth? It's a fundamental question that the human heart desires to know. And so many times if we can't find the truth, we make up our own. We begin to make up our own truth. And that's a disaster waiting to happen. Why? Because what is fundamental of truth? Truth means it can't change. Right? Truth can't change. I think sometimes in our society today, we mix up truth with my opinion. What is true means that it can't change. It's, there's something fundamental about it that no matter whether I agree with it or not, it still remains true. Let me give you an example. If, if I would say to you, you know, that tree outside is hard. And you would look at me and say, well, you know what, Father? That's not my truth. My truth says that tree isn't hard. And I would look at you and say, okay, well, let's test out the truth. Here's how we're going to test it. I want you to take off running full speed and run straight into the tree. And then you can tell me if it's hard or not. Right? The fact that you didn't believe it was hard doesn't change the fact that it was hard. You see, truth doesn't matter whether I believe in it or not. That's called opinion. Truth remains truth no matter what I believe. I can't change it. And so Jesus is looking at us and saying, no, truth is an opinion. It is not an opinion. Truth is not something that can change with the passing of the waves. Truth is a person. And that person is Jesus Christ. That's what he says. I am the truth. And so everything that we believe has to be found in Jesus Christ. He's the truth. So what was true about Jesus? Well, it was true, it was historically truth that he was born of the virgin. What is true about Jesus was that he existed in time. What is true about Jesus is that he was conceived by the Holy Spirit. What is true about Jesus is that he is the God-man. He's the Messiah. What is true about Jesus is he performed many, many miracles that people, eyewitnesses, saw. What is true about Jesus is that he died on the cross on Good Friday. What is true about Jesus is that he was raised from the dead. You see, that is a fundamental truth that cannot be changed and cannot be my personal opinion. It happened. We can't argue with it. And that truth that Jesus was raised from the dead is what changed history. It changed everything. You see, that truth is what made the early apostles and the disciples lay down their lives. It never changed. Their story remained the same no matter what persecution they went through. 
the fact that Jesus Christ was the Son of God, they would proclaim it. And He was crucified and He rose on the third day. The fact that the resurrection happened changed everything. It changed Peter's life. Peter was going to be a fisherman the rest of his life and probably have a big family. Who knows? And now Peter became a fisher of men. This truth was so fundamental and he wouldn't change his mind and he wouldn't, he wouldn't cower beneath it that he gave his life for it. He was crucified upside down, as was Andrew, the other apostle. A truth so fundamental that Jesus rose from the dead is what allowed St. Bartholomew, the apostle, to be de-skinned and then boiled in oil. A truth that was so fundamental that they were not willing to change their mind about allowed St. Paul to be beheaded. You see, we could go on and on of the countless witnesses to Jesus who believed that He was the way and the truth and the life so much so that they staked their life on it. They wouldn't cower away. They wouldn't live in fear. They wouldn't lock themselves up in the upper room any longer. They came out and they began preaching boldly of who Jesus is, the way and the truth and the life. You know, that is another great thing. We all want to live life and we want to live it to the fullest. But man, life without Christ, man, that's not living. That's not what we were intended for. Jesus says, if you want to have life and have it abundantly, you got to follow me. Life is found in Christ. He is life itself. He's not just an experience of life. Experiences come and go. They fade with the passing of time. Jesus doesn't. Jesus is the way. And He's the truth and He'll never change. And He's the life. We want to live life to the fullest. We want to be really happy. But we have to follow Jesus. That's the only way to do it. You see, sin makes us think we can be happy. Doesn't it? It's why we reach for it. It's why we continue to go after sin. Because it gives a false pretense of happiness. And it will never make us happy. Sin can never make us happy. What does Scripture say? What is the wages of sin? It's death, not life. Sin can never make us happy. But Jesus does. Jesus is the life that we all search for. And so whenever we come to know Him in that way, then we can come to understand that no matter what happens here on this side of heaven, is, is what can prepare me for the next life. Jesus is refocusing our gaze, y'all, to let us know that we have only to turn to Him. We have only to look to Him. We have only to put all of our trust and all of our hope in Jesus. Why? Because everything else will fail. And there's an infinite longing within our hearts to experience life to the fullest. And we will go to all extremes to do it. But life without Christ, those extremes just remain an experience. There's a longing inside of the human heart that will always desire truth. And we can never find it. We can never make it up. We can never create our own truth. It is only found in a person that is Jesus Christ. And those times where we lose our own way, know that it is Jesus who is the light of the world, who lights up the path before us that shows us the way. And what is the way? Where is He leading us? He's lead us to, leading us to the eternal banquet in heaven. That's where He's leading us. His heart, the Father's heart, desires to be with you and I for all of eternity. And so let us keep our gaze there. 
Let us not turn away. Let us not look to anything earthly to give us that satisfaction that we desire, because that can only be found in Christ. And I will close with the words from the great St. Augustine who says, Our hearts, they're restless until they rest in Christ. Amen.